Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for an interview and a special, unique interview for you today. You heard us tease this on our 1000th episode, and I'm so excited for this one too because this one is direct to our Australian listeners, our Australian TV listeners, and our Australian TV listeners who remember great Australian television the show always greener turns 20 years this year and for those who remember it it was a great it was a fun show it was a show that i ranked in my top 50 tv shows of all time as a matter of fact i ranked it at number two in terms of my australian shows if i'm to rank just the pure australian shows but uh the show was amazing and we are delighted today to be able to speak to one of the stars of that show, Michaela Bannis. Now, a lot of people will know, of course, Michaela Bannis from plenty of other shows on Australian television, McLeod's Daughters, Winners and Losers. She was even on Round the Twist, which we will talk to her about in this interview. But for me, personally, always Greener fan, always will be Marissa Taylor from Always Greener. And in this chat, we learn about her getting the role of Marissa Taylor, her favorite moments from the show and what it was like working on there. We also talk about her music career. For those who do remember, Michaela had a song, a, a hit song. It did very well uh, back when she was on Always Greener and why further music didn't follow from that. So plenty to cover here, plenty to talk about. It's a great chat and let's go to it right now. I'm going to introduce Michaela. I'm going to introduce myself introducing her. It's a weird thing right now. I'm just going to shut up. Let's go to it right now. It is a massive pleasure to welcome our next guest here to the Oz Network. You may recognize her from such shows as McLeod's Daughters, Upper Middle Bogan, Winners and Losers, just to name a few. But we're here to talk about a show that last year I ranked in my top 50 greatest television shows of all time. A show that I feel is so severely underrated, so severely forgotten about in Australia that we are here to try and change this because it's 20 years this year since uh, the little show called Always Greener even debuted. She was one of the stars of Always Greener and I am so delighted to be able to welcome her to the show today, Michaela Bannis. Michaela, welcome to the show. It's such an honor to chat with you today. Thank you, Ben. Before we go on, just want to know what number did Always Greener rank in your top fifty? Was it fifty? No, well, it wasn't fifty. I, 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 okay, I honestly, right. off the top, I will find it. I believe it was the top twenty, maybe. Okay, um, that's ex- great. Yeah. I am 
so happy with that. Second <laughs> second Australian show on that list. I will say I ranked Frontline as my number one Australian show, but uh, Listen, I'm pretty sure Ice Greener was two. So that's I'm happy with that. I can I can I can be. I can die a happy woman. <laughs> no, I'm probably not the only person who's ranked it in their time. Like, I don't even know if people remember the show, but I do. Oh, yeah, one. they do. I they still, do? People still, yeah, McLeod's Daughters, Upper Middle Bogan and Always Greener are the three shows people will remember me or, or, or come up to me and, and mention. And Always Greener still, still gets mentioned 20 years on. I'm like, wow. That makes me happy. That's that really lovely. makes me happy. Because it's it's interesting, actually, because I was just talking to you off air about sort of we've reached out to a few of the cast members and kind of had a few mm-hmm. people who are, who are going to chat to us and sort of gave me that idea that I realise it has been 20 years this year since the mm. show premiered that, you know, something like a reunion potentially, you know, we could do a Zoom, something like that. Because it's it's interesting. That would be so awesome. I would well, be you, so into that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it, I, I mean, I think that if you've got enough people who are sort of asking you and saying like, about Always Greener, there must be out there because you always have these sort of, you know, oh, flashback to Frontline, it's been this amount of time, this, that. But I, mm-hmm. I, Always Green is not one of those shows that I feel many people talk about anymore. Well, thanks. Um, I'm happy to talk about it anytime. <laughs> it's interesting because I think not only do I go, oh, I'd love a reunion, but, you know, they, they, they're bringing back a bunch of shows. Like mm-hmm. they're doing a, a, a Pack to the Rafters has come back, yep. um, back to the Rafters. Why are we not doing a, 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 a rehash of Always Greener? Get the old band back together. What happened to Marissa Taylor? Yeah, well, I mean, she just got <laughs> engaged. Um, mm-hmm. That was it. Did she? Yeah, I oh, think no, so. <laughs> um, it's because, been a while. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because it ended on such a cliffhanger. And it was sort of a, a real surprise, mm. I remember, when it got mm. cancelled because it was Well, pl- there's a story there. I, a story well, there. if you can fill in the gaps here, Michaela, because mm. I've mm. read, I've seen, but what's okay. the truth? Can you Let's start off with the ending right now. G- give us the truth about why it ended. So my recollection, because it's, it's been a while since it is, <laughs> but my memory of it was that we were set to go for a third season. And they had written the series. They uh, had contracted us because the first and second series had been so hugely successful. Like the first series of Always Greener, the ratings were the highest ratings of an Australian television program ever at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, it was, it was extraordinary. It was doing really well, and so they were, they were set to go. And. I think we were about a month away from starting filming. So we were really, really about to start filming the third series and then got this call saying it's been axed. It's not happening, which was shocking to all of us actually, because we, yeah, we've done well. We, we were all, you know, booked and ready to go. And so that was devastating. I, I was really gutted because it was an extraordinary show to work on. I just loved it so much. And so, um, within a few months, um, I got a job on McLeod's Daughters. Um, John Howard uh, got a job on All Saints. Um, Caitlin McDougall went on a show called The Alice. Like about three or four of the main cast got snapped up by other shows, which was wonderful and rare, um, but happened. And then, this, so that was about October mm-hmm. that we got axed and sort of by the end of the year, we all got snapped up. And then come January... They had been, the network, Channel 7, had been so overwhelmed with um, letters and emails about 
why and why have you always going to bring it back of just people petitioning and um and so they decided they were going to try and get it back up they went wow. oh we've made a mistake this may or may not be true but this is what i was told we've made a terrible mistake we've decided we are going to do the third series let's get everyone back together and everyone went well <laughs> we've lost Mika we've lost michaela bannis john howard caitlin mcdougall um, you know, there were a couple of others that got like you've lost four or five of your main cast. So, unless you want to make it with other actors in their roles, and they went, oh no, that's not going to work, and it fell over. But they did. My understanding is they they did regret axing it and try to get it going again, but it was too late. Interesting. Yeah, I, mean, mm. was, I probably would have been one of those people writing the letters because it, <laughs> it, the thing that I always found interesting about its its sudden cancellation because there was whispers that it was too expensive, the ratings had fallen down, things along those lines. But I mean, you mentioned Pack to the Rafters. That was about what five or so years later when that started, and mm. I always got shades of Always Greener in Pack to the Rafters. It was maybe not as out there as Always Greener mm -hmm. was. wasn't quite as quirky, but it was it was kind of the family dynamic, you know. Get to know that. But it was I always found it interesting yeah. that Pack to the Rafters became such a huge, huge, huge hit and mm. Always Greener kind of was, but then just kind of disappeared. So do you think that Always Greener had that potential to go into as big as Pack to the Rafters did if they had kept it on? Definitely. Definitely, without a doubt. Interestingly, I remember watching, I think Pack to the Rafters is a great show and I loved yeah. it. And I remember when it first started, I, I watched it and had a similar feeling going, oh, this is, this is in the same kind of, it's got the same feel, the same tone. Um, not as much quirk as he said, but but still tonally similar to Always Greener. And I think a couple of set pieces might have made their way across. Right. I'm like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the kitchen bench from the Taylor house. I'm like, no lie, which is good because it means they recycle. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, but, yeah, I definitely think Always Greener had legs. I think, um, and it's still, I still get people ask me about it and, and say how much they loved it and... It, there was nothing kind of quite like it, you know. There, it's sort of it's the only thing that kind of you could liken it to, in some ways, was sort of Ally McBeal. Mm. You know, Ally McBeal had those dream sequences, yeah. those really quirky moments, and and we did that, and that, that hadn't really been done in Australian television, you know, dream sequences and and dance routines and breaking into song and fantasy <laughs> and all of that stuff. And I don't, I don't know how much it, it started out with that intention. But I just worked with um, the, one of the directors from the show, Kevin Carlin. I just worked with him a month ago. Um, and he was the director who um, cast me in the show and directed the first few episodes and directed a lot of the first series. And, and he said, yeah, it wasn't always that quirky, but it just slowly, slowly built into this thing and became this really quirky, amazing um, show that, yeah, I don't think anyone expected it to do as well as it did and then it's kind of went gangbusters and then fizzled really quickly. It was like a yeah. shooting star, you know what I mean? Gone. It, it was um, so interesting because it was it was unique. Like I love the Ally McBeal comparison because of the dream sequences, but even just opening it up with a, a word from the dictionary and you'd always say the the typewriter, like you would just yeah. straight away know what you were watching and it was just yeah. so unique how they do it. And then the themed episodes and kind of how you would have like the, it was the episode, wasn't it, when Anne was having the baby and you were all discussing it and you were all singing, it must have been a beautiful, like you all had all those song sequences before it yeah. and just, it was just it unique. Was a blast. <laughs> it was a blast. I'm not going to lie. It was an absolute blast. 
Yeah, and and when people ask me, you know, what's what have been your career highlights? What have been your favourite shows to work on? Always Greener is definitely in in, in my list of favourites. Not just not... because it was, I mean, it was my breakout kind of role in a lot of ways, but it was just fun. It was just such a great experience. It was a really great time in television. It was a really great time to be at Channel Seven. Like there were so many things, uh, you know, I was in my early 20s and it was just, it was a blast. Because if I'm not mistaken, outside of McLeod's Daughters, that's your most appearances. You were in obviously all 50 episodes. So, I mean, I'm not yeah. sure if you sort of work out your, what other shows you've had sort of numerous counts on. But I, I, at least on IMDb, if it's telling me the right thing, this was besides McLeod's Daughters, your most mm. frequent role. Yep, that'd be correct. That's, that's correct. Yeah. Which is, it's, do you remember you talking about working with the director who obviously cast you and worked out? Do you remember reading for Marissa for the first time? Do you remember when that came across and you had this opportunity to, to go for the role of Marissa? I remember my callback audition. So, um, so when you audition for a show, sometimes you get what's called a callback, which is a second audition, which means they're kind of narrowing it, narrowing it down to, you know, maybe four, maybe only two, but like a handful of people. And when I got my call back, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm so excited. You know, um, it means they're at least interested and I'm not a terrible actor. How delightful. Even if I don't get it, that, that and I'm doing something maybe right, <laughs> you know, um, all those insecurities when you're 20-something. <laughs> and um, But I do remember my callback audition. I remember him. I remember the director, Kev Cullen is his name. He's a delightful human being. And I, yeah, I remember Kev just being so lovely to me in the audition and working with me and it feeling not like he was there to judge, but he was there to kind of, you know, work with me, which is so lovely because, you know, I was so nervous. Um, and walking away and thinking, oh, you know, I really hope I get this job. I probably won't because, you know, statistically, <laughs> what are the chances? <laughs> um, and, and to be fair, you know, part of the reason I got the job wasn't about my acting ability. It was because I looked like I would be a family member of, you know, the people around me, Daniel Bowden looked like he could be my brother. I look like I could be the daughter of John and Anne, you know? So um, I know part of it's just down to basic things like aesthetics, but, <laughs> um, but I still had to do the job, you know, so I'm not saying I wasn't a good actor, but I think, you know, there's, if I'd been really tall and blonde and really, really good actor, I, I might not have got the job, you know. So, um, but I do remember being in the room and Kevin being really, really lovely. I know there was a, a reader opposite me, an actor office, reading opposite me, but I can't remember who that was. I don't think it was anyone they'd cast or anything, but um, yeah, I, I, I would have been, I was nervous and then hopeful, <laughs> desperately <laughs> hopeful. And then when I got the call, I remember getting the phone call and being in my apartment and I was sharing a room with a girlfriend. We had like, mattresses on the floor, wow. sharing a room to save on rent, like no joke. Um, and and I was standing in the kitchen when I got a phone call from my agent and I, I was like, oh, my God, I've got to – I'm moving to Sydney to do this job. And I was just – yeah, I was beside myself. What happened to your friend then with the, the mattress? Is she still sleeping on that mattress all this? She's like you left in the lurch. <laughs> she's fine. She's fine. She's fine. But, yeah, it was amazing. And interestingly – Clayton Watson, um, he and I were boyfriend and girlfriend at one point before Always Greener. Wow. Um, he's, he's still a really good friend. So Clayton and I used to go out when I was 20 and then I got Always Greener 
and we were still really good mates. And then he rang me and he goes, guess what? I'm, I got a job on this show in Sydney. <laughs> Always greener. And I was like, oh, my God, holy shit, me too. Like, what are the chances? And it was so nice because I was like, I've got someone I know that's going to be around and, uh, you know, and he's such a good egg. And it was, yeah, it was nice having someone I knew, you know, on this new experience because, I, yeah, I hadn't done anything ongoing like that before. Great, great. That was a really uh, long answer to it. No, <laughs> this is what we want. We we want this, Michaela. This is you know this is the Oz Network. It's like I will ask you a question that will start off sounding good. I'll and go then on I'll five... ramble. I'll ramble. ramble. Yeah, you're, you're fitting in straight away. This is this is perfect for it. But I mean, the, the role of Marissa must have been so interesting to play because I mean, she starts off as like the party girl. She gets caught with drugs, you know, and it kind of yeah. you're basically the reason why this whole swap happens because your dad (laughs) played by john howard is basically like i've had enough and he's a counselor of course and he's had enough he wants to change so they do the whole swapperoo and you know and then you basically from that point on you go through everything you move back to the city you you're on and off again uh with scott major's character tom and then kind of by the end as i said you're getting engaged so lots of development over 50 episodes from party girl drug user to settling down in the country basically yeah yeah I think, and you know, the very first episode, she sets a cow's fart on fire, which I thought was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and I also thought it was really interesting and and um, kind of risque, I suppose, to have, you know, a young person and drugs. Like it was really quite full on then to show someone in their twenties, you know, for a, you know, not on a, not in a film or anything, but for a for a prime time network, you know sort of clean cut show what should be a clean cut show to have to have one of your main cast doing drugs and getting in trouble and you know was kind of oh all right um i think the beautiful the 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 thing i've kind of had good fortune with in some ways um as an actor when i was a bit younger is i often played quite a bit younger than i was so when i was 20 and 21 i was still sort of playing 15 16 sometimes so i did when i did round the twist for example i was playing a 16 year old but i was 20 um thinking i was super cool with my cigarettes and hey, hey don't don't talking. worry you you brought you are cool for mentioning round the twist i've got questions about that don't you worry about oh, that okay 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 <laughs> um but yeah so so i was 20 playing 15 16 and so then when I got Always Greener, I was 22 playing 18, which isn't, isn't a massive age difference, but who you are at 18 versus who you are at 22 is quite a different thing. And I guess I had the fortune of being able to look back at what I was like at 18 and and, and be able to have some fun with that. So to play 18-year-old Marissa at 22 was like, oh, I remember what I was like at 18 and even though I wasn't very, I'm not very like Marissa, I don't think. I'm not quite as brash or I certainly hadn't done drugs or anything like that. I was a bit <laughs> of a nerd burger. But, but, I, but I was certainly, you know, um, finding my way and, and trying to figure out who I was and, you know, I still am. But, yeah, just having a little bit of hindsight I think really helped me because I think a lot of 18-year-olds playing an 18-year-old would be like, what that's not true i i don't don't do stuff like that and you know whereas i was like oh yeah totally (laughs) i remember that yeah kind of which is silly because it's only four years difference but i think that helped 
it, it also then, you know, mentioning that you're not really like that with, with Marissa, the character, but to have, to have that come out, like that's must be the beauty of being an actor, right? That you can have yeah. those, an, an excuse to kind of be something that maybe sometimes you wish I could be a bit like that, but don't want to be like that all the time. So you can you oh, know, for sure. do yeah. that and just basically, and would you read sort of the scripts and kind of think like, wow, this is, this is going to be fun. Like I, I get to go out and do this and I get to light a cow on fire, farts and all this sort of stuff. I'm never doing this before as my nerd burger self. <laughs> 100%. I, do you know what? I actually thought, oh, I get to be cool and I've never been cool. And I think Marissa is cool. Like, with with Upper Middle Bogan, for example, I there's something you learn stuff from your characters. Like uh, there's, I really admire my character in Upper Middle Bogan. She's brash and she's abrasive and she's blonde, but she's really upfront. You know where you stand with her. You know she's not pussyfooting around. She's not pretending, and so I admire those qualities in her. And like with Marissa, I got to be cool, and I had never ever been cool and I know every actor says I'm such a nerd at school but I I mean I I kind of was I was a clown like I was a total you know chatterbox clown I wasn't like a total dork but I was I was I was not cool and so I was like oh my god I get to be cool like the little (laughs) the little teenager in me was like yes I'm in the cool group (laughs) (laughs) and that's how I felt about her because she had that fashion thing going on and she was sassy and you know I, I, it was so exciting. Which at the time too, like it's your first sort of, you know, mentioned it's kind of like your breakthrough role. So I can imagine then when, mm. you know, people are meeting you. And I mean, it's always a thing, isn't it? People meet you, they think you're the character. Oh, this is exactly what you like mm. and all that kind of thing. So to people yeah. then at that point when they're sort of talking to you, meeting you, are they surprised you're not exactly like Marissa and kind of like, oh, you're, you're a bit different to what I was expecting? Depends how long they talk to you for. <laughs> um <laughs> I do remember actually really, really clearly um, two things. Um, I'd sort of, I'd done a lot of, I'd done a lot of TV work, but a lot of guest roles and I kind of, it sounds weird, but I'd almost run out of shows to do a guestie <laughs> on at that point in my life. And so when I got Always Greener, it was really exciting. And then when it went to air, Scott Major turned around. We all sort of went to a pub and watched it together and Scott Major turned around to me and he went, your life's going to change you watch tomorrow, people are going to stop you in the street. And I went, no, they're not. <laughs> and it was literally overnight that wow. honestly, people were like, oh my God, are you a girl from that show? That was awesome. Oh my God. Are you, are you, are you? and I was like, holy shit, he, he was right. <laughs> so I remember that really vividly, like almost overnight that happening. And I also remember once, I can't remember, I think it was in the second season when um, my, my mum's, uh, my character's mum had the um, lost the baby, yep. the yep. baby funeral, and that, that was really was really full on. But I remember being at the airport. I was going somewhere to do some publicity, and I was walking through the airport, and this woman stopped me. And people often call you by your character name um, because they might not know your real name, and that's okay. I'll always respond. I always respond to anything really. Um, <laughs> but she's like, "Oh, Marissa, Marissa," and she sort of waved me down, and, and I was like, "Oh, hello," and she went. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for your mum. I just wanted to say, I hope you're okay. And she was like in tears and she was saying, I'm really sorry. I hope your mum's okay. Just wow. sort of like, I was like, oh, she thinks this is a real thing. I don't want to go, oh, she's fine. It's you know, acting. You know, I didn't want to kind of, and so it sort of just went, oh, thank you. Really appreciate that. I didn't really know how to respond. Yeah. So there was the, there's one element of like, oh, you're the girl from that show. And another element of, oh, Marissa, 
why are you being such a bitch to Tom <laughs> as well? People would call, like, why are you being so mean? He's so sweet. Don't be a bitch to Tom. Like, wait, what? I don't write it. I don't choose to. So, you know, there wow. was this kind of, yeah. The balance of really that. interesting. Yeah, which, yeah, that, yeah. That, what, that, what was so perfect, though, about that relationship, though, was that exact complete opposites, right? Like Tom was, you know, this yeah. sweet character. Marissa was just complete opposite. That One of the episodes I always loved the storyline, and I actually, it was, it was this weird thing because I was about... Uh, what, 14, 15, 16 when the show was on. Um, yeah. But I always related to Marissa on the episode where you everything around you basically was happening to other people and you, you were green with envy. Like literally your face turned yeah. green. They edited in that. And then it was just, I think that was the one when um, Abe's character Campbell had uh, he gotten his book deal, I think, from memory. And yep. like there was uh, everyone else, you were at a market and people were selling things and you weren't. Like it was, I don't know, just that episode, I'm like, yeah, okay, I definitely relate to Marissa in that aspect which it's weird to think, I think everyone can at some yeah. point to go you know it does feel like everyone's getting all the good luck and um, i'm over here working my tush off and getting you know wheat bicks you know yeah yeah that's yeah. really interesting it's and it's sorry and it's, i interrupted you but <laughs> no no please I, I i want you to with these things because it's it's i always found it interesting with the marissa character because you know generally as as a as a teenage guy i'm probably going to be looking at you know jason or you know campbell like these characters you know even someone like mm. tom but like i often found myself relating more to marissa which i like i've rewatched it a few times since and i always kind That's of tend so to cool. go that way which i find interesting that's so cool. I love that. That's one of the biggest compliments you can give an actor. There you <laughs> to go. To be honest, you're yeah, welcome. Honestly, no, seriously, because if, if people are relating, then I'm I'm doing my job. You know, that's the whole point of telling stories is so that people can see themselves and under, better understand themselves. You know, um, which sounds totally wanky, but it's true. <laughs> you know, we're we're sort of holding a mirror up and and we're going, hey, you're not alone. Me too. And you know. It's you. We feel all these things as well, you know. Um, so I, I'm going to take that as a massive compliment. But that is that's really interesting because I think she, she was always learning so much all the time and and fighting it and fighting the learning, like you know, as we do in life. We're like, I've got this. Oh yeah. fuck, I don't. No, yeah. I do. I want to have better control of this. Oh fuck, I don't. You know. And she was constantly doing that, and I think that's really relatable. Is that everyone goes, ah. Uh, we're all we're all just trying to have a, a better handle on our lives than we than we actually do. Which I actually found an old transcript. This is I think back from uh, the chat room days on the Channel Seven website. And uh, wowza, some weird weird questions. There's somebody here going off at you basically because you hadn't responded to their fan mail at the point, which uh, was quite interesting. But according to this, uh, you you lived with Brie Walters at the time. Is is that true? Sort of during filming. Yeah, I lived with Brie Walters and another two of my um, best friends from school. We all lived together and. In, in an apartment, yeah. Which, yeah. How's that, how that experience? Like, you, you know, I mean, you're, you, what, cousins on the show? So, like, I mean, does oh, that make it, it easier was... or harder that, to get along with someone like that? No, it was great. We we got on, like, a house on fire and living together meant, you know, we'd, sometimes we'd drive to work together or, you know, drive home together or, or whatever, often not, because we didn't actually have a lot to do at the same time because we were in the different locations. But um, just having someone who knows what your day at work's been like or understanding what it's been like when you come home. Um, no, it was, it was wonderful because we weren't 
in every scene together all the time. I think that would be different. You know, if you were doing all of your, spending all of your working hours and all of your home hours together, that could be challenging, but we know we had no problem. It was great. And plus we had, we had two other people. It was still a, a, a share house vibe, you know, yeah. so there was uh, other had people. Had your own bed that time though, I can imagine you weren't. Oh yeah, missing. I had my yeah. own bedroom yeah. and I had an actual bed, no mattress right. on the floor. <laughs> fancy, what a fancy pants. I know, you're moving up in the world when you've got your own I bed. I really did. I think it's kind I of really that did. way. And I, I guess you're also probably happy when you knew that Clay was on the show. You're probably going like, okay, don't be my boyfriend on the show. Don't be my boyfriend. Like Mickey and Marissa <laughs> never ended up together. So, you know, it kind of worked out I okay. <laughs> I know. It, it was actually, it was really nice knowing that he was there. I think we drove up. We both drove up to Sydney, like in tandem. Yeah, it was really cool. Because we, we went up and shot the pilot and then prayed that it was going to go ahead. And then when it did, I think Clay, Scott Major and I, yeah, we drove up sort of like together. And in my terrible $1,000 car, <laughs> honestly, it was my first car and I was you know, very excited. But it lasted but it a while, amazing. I bet. Didn't it last a it long lasted time? It really They always well. last forever. It did me proud. The odd Ford Telstar did yep. me proud. They seriously, like the, your $1,000 first car. <laughs> I don't you make think, them like they used to. <laughs> no, they, they last forever. They're, they're yeah. brilliant basically when you get that. Did <laughs> did you have a favourite storyline with, with Marissa? Was there any sort of particular one that you, you enjoyed the most no no I, I kind of don't I know that sounds really pissy but I just I have so many kind of favorite moments like so many moments that I love but not just one storyline because I just I had so much fun I just loved all the fantasy stuff that we got to do and how out there we got to be and um it felt like I got to really kind of try lots of things and mm-hmm. and um, even with the really dramatic stuff, you know, like I just touched on that, you know, episode with the with the baby dying and, God, that was so full on filming that. I remember crying when we arrived at location because I had never seen a baby coffin before. Mm. And just looking at a baby coffin is just heartbreaking, knowing that they exist course they exist but uh, you know like things like that i was like oh this is and this happens to people this is you know this is we have to be we have to honor this story we have to tell it as well as we can so the challenge of the dramatic stuff as well as the funny and the silly and the fantastical and the you know i love that i got to really stretch myself and try and and see what i could do you know it was really a gift like that which what that's what to me made always green is so good and i mean it's it's not just an always green thing we mentioned pack to the right i mean everything bev and lee really touches kind of it it's got a similar vibe to it but it's yeah it's fast because i mean that first episode with with the cow like i remember watching that with my dad i think i've seen my dad laugh as hard as he did in that scene but (laughs) You know, it's you can pretty funny. You, you talk about like a cow fart getting lit on fire, and, and then you know, you, you're obviously going to the complete opposite end of the spectrum and a, a funeral of a baby. I mean, it's kind of it, it, it plays with your emotions on a way that you know, you don't really know what you're going to get, and it's and that's what I think always baffles me why always greener is something that always seems to get forgotten about and in the in the grand scheme of great australian television shows it was such a unique Mm -hmm. concept that really i think today stands the test of time it is a show that i will you know randomly put on and watch and still get every single moment out of it that i did when i first watched it do you know i actually haven't seen all of it wow (laughs) so um but i think I think I want to sit down and watch it now because there's been enough time for me to not go, oh, my God, oh, look at me there doing the thing or, 
when I, I have a bit of Prime not- now, I believe like they've just put it on Amazon Prime. Oh, cool. Great. I, yeah, I mean, I've You're got there. the DVDs. <laughs> I think I've got the DVDs like somewhere. I've definitely got VHS, which says yeah. a lot. But I, but I, yeah, I, I like to every now and then, you know, look back at something and, and realize that I wasn't as awful as I thought I might have been, you know, because you're so hard. You know, everyone's so hard on themselves and in what they do. I'm sure you know what this is like. And you go, oh, cringe. Um, and so when you can look, watch and listen to yourself doing something <laughs> like you do with my job, it's terrifying. Um, but I think it's a, it's a way to learn. That's how I learn and that's how I can get better and and or try to. And so um, I, maybe this is one to sit sit and rewatch. And- I think you need to. And if, if, if I tell you what, we, I'm going to say this right now on air that we will commit to doing a 20 year reunion later this ah! year. I think it's September, I believe it premiered. So we'll, we'll oh. aim to do something there. So yeah, I'll I think cry. I'll yeah. cry for sure. Good. That's what we like to do on this show. We, we like, do you know what? You should try and get Bev and Lee there and then we can plant the seeds for a, a reunion. A reunion. <laughs> yeah. Hey, why not again? Like pack to the rafters. I mean, and they, they didn't even come up with an original back to the rafters. Come on, that was obvious. Like, what's this going to be like? Still, always greener again? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I can't even think of something clever. That's why I'm not a TV writer. Always but... greener. Oh, yeah. Always greener. <laughs> always greener. Yeah. Welcome. You can you can have that <laughs> one. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll commit to that later in the year for sure. A couple oh, of things though, that came out of this um, Logie nomination. You got to go to the Logies when Destiny's Child was at the Logies. Do you oh, do you yeah, remember yeah. Do you remember that night? Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. Of course. Well, that that was my first Logies ever, and I was nominated, which was brilliant, but terrifying because it's such an overwhelming experience. I actually, one thing that that really upset me was that I I was extraordinarily nervous, right? <laughs> and I I am a big eater. I eat a lot, um, even though I'm quite a small person. Um, but because I was so terrified and nervous and overwhelmed, um, you have dinner at the Logies. And so we sat down and they brought the food around and I was like, I think I'm going to be sick. I can't, I'm, I can't even look at food. I don't know what to do. And uh, so I, I, I didn't really, I sort of picked up my food, but didn't really eat it. And then once um, my category was over and done with and I did not win the Logie, I was like, great, let's, <laughs> let's go to Macca's. And I went down to McDonald's and then came back for the after party. But in the papers the next day, they were like, oh, Banner's super thin and not eating her dinner, you know, not eating at the Logies. Is she anorexic? And all this sort of carry on about me being petite and because I didn't eat my dinner, I must have an eating disorder. And I was like, what? No, I went to McDonald's. Like, I went and got a burger. Like, no, I was really heartbroken because I thought, first of all, ask me or don't, like, don't make assumptions about people just don't make assumptions about people like, you know, it's not cool. Anyway, I was a little bit gutted, um, but I had this really kind of, I mean, I wanted to win, of course. Like everyone's like, ah, I just happened to be nominated. And I was thrilled, but I was like, oh, it'd be great if I won. But there's a little bit of relief when you don't because speaking in public is terrifying to me, which sounds ridiculous if you're an actor, but it requires me just being myself up on stage as opposed to pretending to be somebody else, <laughs> um, which I love. So, um yeah, but that whole experience was it was amazing, and Destiny's Child were there, and I mean, um, yeah, I think I think that I, I can die happy. <laughs> exactly, you you were in the same room, you breathe the same air as Beyonce, so I mean, yeah. what's not to what's not to like yeah. that? You lost to Lisa Chapel, so you know, McLeod's daughters was that like a thing that kind and of was she, an omen? 
Oh, it was a sign. <laughs> yeah, a sign. clearly you lost to someone from a Klaus Doors. You're on the wrong be, show. <laughs> must be on that show one day. <laughs> but and, and then I was like, well, you know, when, when you lose to someone like Lisa Chapel, you go, well, fair enough. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, she was fabulous. The show's amazing. Fair call. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. all right with that. <laughs> oh, I'll take that. I'll go get my Maccas yeah. and basically, you yeah, know. Yeah, I'm going to go get a burger and move on. <laughs> I'll, be good. I'll be good. The other thing that... Um, I don't know if this was kind of helped by being on the show or this was obviously there. Um, your song, Kissing the Wind. <laughs> now, I, I last year, I think was it last year or the year before, I was doing a radio show in New Zealand and we played that song and I tweeted you and you got very excited. You're like, oh, wow, great, you know, somebody's playing this song. I still listen to this song to this day, Michaela, like no word of a lie. Um, and I was baffled that, again, this didn't take off. Like, I, I feel like this is just the sucking to view. I'm just sucking up to you so much. But, hey, I'm allowed to fanboy out every now and then. But I'll take it, man. I'll take good, it. I'll take good. it. It's all good. Yeah. You can come on every week. Like, I'll come up with my Michaela Banners trivia. My head is growing bigger and bigger and bigger. But was that um, was that a was that a case of that uh, this was always in the pipeline that you were going to release some music? Was being on Always Green and helping out kind of? How did that come about? And, and what happened to the music career after mm, that song? Mm-hmm. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to um, explain this because <laughs> it's one of those things I'm like, I actually was talking about it in another interview today. Literally, mm. I did an interview earlier and this came up and I was like, right. So, explain the, the truth. <laughs> so, so, yes, Always Green had definitely helped. I'd always, um, I'd always sung and I play piano and I write music and always have, have done. Um, and I think singing a little bit and always greener was definitely a factor. And then um, a, a small record label called Petrol Records contacted my agent and Chris Murphy um, was running Petrol Records. Chris Murphy is most known for being in excess's manager. So he contacts my, my agent. We want to talk to Michaela about music, blah, blah, blah. So I had this meeting with them and they're like, we want to start releasing music. Oh, my God, this is amazing. How exciting. Um and then they, you know, got me to do some, you know, play with some different stuff and sing on some things. I'm like, oh, okay, you, you can actually sing. I was like, okay, well, that you would hope so. You want to sign <laughs> me to your label. Um, so I, re- I recorded Kissing the Wind, which I did not write. Meredith Brooks actually wrote Kissing she the did. Wind. Yeah, and Shelley's um, at Pikin. She co-wrote a couple of Christina Aguilera hits as well, I believe. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, good songwriters. <laughs> So I had this great song. We recorded it. We filmed the video clip. And then um, the label sent me between series one and series two of Voice Green. And they sent me on a small tour doing like some covers. And I was writing the album and recording the album and touring in between the series. So it was pretty full on time. It was pretty busy. And I was writing and recording uh, the album in between doing gigs and coming back and forth from wherever I was. So it was sort of a bit bitsy, but it was happening. And working with some really great people with like Diesel and uh, some, some really great musicians and, and um, people from the Baby Animals and all my favourite bands. We just kind of collated all these amazing musicians and people to sort of collaborate with. And then the label folded. Ah. So it was just a small independent label, but it folded. And so um, me and a couple of other um, artists that were signed, it was just like, sorry, all over the song went top 20 so it did did do quite well but then it just looks like i've just released a song and then went away um but we were in the process of writing and recording and it just all just fell apart and and it was a really tricky kind of 
mean, it didn't leave a bad taste in my mouth, but I was a bit like that. It was really full on. I was really exhausted because I was doing publicity for Always Greener while touring, while writing, and it was all a bit full on. I think I just wasn't prepared in some ways. And so I, I, I sort of was like, I don't think I, that's probably a good thing. Maybe that's, you know, everything for a reason. I'm a little bit of a hippie, so I do believe everything for a reason. So I went, okay, well, this will be for a reason. Um, just let it go, move on. Um, and I still, you know, I still play piano and write and I just kind of keep the music thing for myself, never say never, but I just, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting and I learned a lot, but I, I do kind of not hate, I, I dislike that I have one song that got released into the world and that's it. But, I was going to say, you know, I've you... done a music, I've done a musical since and, you know, I've well, done that, some other that things works. since. But... Do you have yeah. those songs though, like back from back when you were writing and recording that this could be like an underground release, like the unreleased <laughs> Michaela Bannis kind of EP or album or something like that? <laughs> I have, um, I have this, I have bits of them because we were in the process of writing them and I was co-writing. So they're not all mine and they're not all anyone else's. And technically I guess the label owned them because they were paying for the, for the writing and recording of, um, and it was only a couple of, we were only a few tracks in, um, so there, and nothing complete. So in a word, in a word, no, that was a long way of saying no, I, <laughs> but I do have my own, I do have my own stuff that I write, but it's not really very good. I, I like know. these deep answers to a simple, like, you know, it, it works very well, but I mean, it's at the end of the day, you can say you've got a top 20 song that maybe like, I mean, you, totally, you know, absolutely. And it's a cool song. And I like the video clips really cute. And I'm a, was a tattoo. Know. Wasn't it like growing on you yeah. or something like, wasn't that the film yeah, yeah. clip from memory? Yeah. It was a tattoo was... of a guy's name and then the whole thing grew around it and he was erased by my tattoo. Oh, <laughs> I mean, just symbolic stuff. Yeah. Very yeah. much so. Very it was very much cool. So. It was very cool at the time. CGI bizarre <laughs> going on. It was very cool. Did did your I'm, did your husband know that this song related? Does he know that? I mean, you might listen to this now. And go. Oh wait, you released a song. You never told me. Oh no, this. he he knows. He knows. <laughs> he knows everything. He's, he's across all the good and the bad. He knows all of it. <laughs> just in case. Just in case. Uh, you you <laughs> mentioned round the twist before. Now it's actually interesting. I mean, any child of Australia in that period grew up on, on Round the Twist, of course. And I yeah. actually don't think I knew that was you in Round the Twist until it was on, you know, I think when Always Green had been on. And you right. were a light, were you not stuck in a lighthouse or something, in a, in a like a, a costume, like a, a knight yeah. sort of helmet and that? And then you eventually <laughs> had the ability to give the kids whatever they wanted, uh, that you could take them to a fantasy land where any wish came true and then they didn't yeah. take it. I think that was it. Yeah, yeah. so I was a princess. I mean, princess. Oh, sorry, uh... sorry, because you were a princess, no, not just a no, girl in the lighthouse. <laughs> no, but they were in, they, the kids lived in the lighthouse, of course, because yep. it was around the twist. They lived in the lighthouse. But I kept, so I was in the whole last series and I appeared in every episode. I would just appear all of a sudden, but I was in a helmet. You could only really see my eyes. I was in a helmet and armor and stuff. You couldn't tell if I was a boy or a girl. I looked like a knight. And so I kept appearing and saying things to the lead boy. And he was like, what the hell? This thing keeps, this person keeps appearing and then disappearing. Um, and eventually in the last episode, I appear, remove my helmet, outpours all of this luxurious <laughs> fake hair um princess hair and it turns out i'm this beautiful princess um and that he falls in love with and i'm going to take all the kids away to this um fantasy place that i'm from and they can have whatever they want but they decide 
actually know they want to stay with their family and and stay at the lighthouse and you know take keep keep their lives as they are which always annoyed me can i just say always annoyed me as a kid (laughs) what are you doing you can have whatever you want (laughs) take your family with you like if that's what you're worried about you can have whatever you want take your family yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. go with the princess you fools um but they didn't they didn't and so i was like cool well uh, peace i'm out of here yeah thanks (laughs) and off i went but i do remember being yeah i was like 20 or 21 playing 16 and the boy the lead boy who i was his love interest was 16 and i had to kiss him and i was like pretty mm. sure this is illegal is this yeah. legal what's happening here wow yeah Jeez. i don't that's... think that's okay but no. there we are maybe well maybe, maybe now that you've said that on the interview because it's going to be a big thing they're going to go back and they're going to look at it now and remove it from it like a abc peck. plus <laughs> it was a peck it was it was for the show <laughs> i was it. playing a 16 year old Yes, and it's around the twist, right? It's you know, it's not like it's for kids. It's not real. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just um, quickly, I want I want to find out what you're up to now before we let you go. But I've just I've found my list uh, just to go over my uh, top shows. So I just want to go here. Number fifteen, I had the Dream with Roy and HG. Uh, Great show. Bring bring that back. Yep. Number fourteen, Kath and Kim. I mean, I don't need to say anything more. Uh, Iconic. One hundred percent. Number thirteen, always greener. So you beat what? out the Dream and Kath and Kim. So there you go. What? Um, yeah. mate, that's imp- I, I am honoured because Kath and Kim is one of my all-time favourite shows. So thank you, Ben. I am I am honoured to sit as one of the many cast members of the show <laughs> uh, at number 13. You're welcome. I'm sure that the esteemed <laughs> opinion of Ben Waterworth means a lot uh, in the grand scheme of uh, television. It's actually, it's funny. You, you mentioned Kath and Kim. My, uh, you know, talk to you off air. My, my wife, Mallory, she uh, obviously Canadian. So, of course, you know, one of the joys of, of meeting and dating and then falling in love with somebody from not from Australia is you can introduce them to, you know, culture. And yes. So, of course, Kath and Kim, you've got to show Kath and Kim. And she yeah. loved it. And then from Kath and Kim, she was, uh, I believe, on some streaming service and it came up with, if you like Kath and Kim, and it came up with Upper Middle Bogan. Uh, so oh, she she got very much into Upper Middle Bogan based off watching Kath and Kim. So Awesome. Yeah, awesome. which is and interesting. And she's never coming back to Australia. No, like, that's, that's why that we moved. Are. I'm never yes. fucking going there again. <laughs> <laughs> off to Canada we go. Bogan. <laughs> We're yeah, there. We're, we're staying really in there. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Kayla, what what are you up to now? I mean, is there anything in the pipeline that we will uh, get to get to see you on our screens anytime soon? Um, well, before the pandemic, I did. Um, I got to work with the delightful Rebecca Gibney in Halifax Retribution, and I got to play detective, which I've never played before, and that was awesome and hilarious because who would believe that I'm a detective? No one, but Hey, I did it. Um, no, it was, it was terrific. And Rebecca's extraordinary and it was really amazing. Um, I just shot, uh, an episode of Miss Fisher's modern murder mysteries. So the, um, the series that's set in the sixties. So that was a lot of fun because, you know, mid century houses and cars and dress ups and just awesome. Uh, I shot a pilot called My Friend Anxiety, which is a comedy about anxiety in which I play what we are hoping is going to be a female version of David Brent from The Office. Wow. Okay. So I'm I'm a really um, over-the-top, uh, want-to-be-everyone's-best-friend boss <laughs> who thinks they're funny but isn't. Um, so that was fun. 
and I just did a short film as well. So I've got, I've got a couple of short films coming up and a comedy for Channel 7. So lots of bits and pieces. You're busy. That, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, some of those things, um, you know, the, the comedy I shot a while ago, but they haven't aired it yet. So that's coming out hopefully soon. Um, and I'm also working as uh, an intimacy coordinator for stage and screen. So um, I support the uh, navigation of intimate content, which is not just sex scenes, but working parents and children, um, childbirth, things like that. Which is um, interesting. Kind of I, yeah, I, I, I saw your, your interview you did with um, Chrissy, Jono and Sam and kind of just learning a little bit about that because mm. I think I'd heard about something like that similar over in sort of this neck of the woods in North America and sort of American yes. side of things. So it's relatively yeah. new to, to the Australian Very industry. new, very new. It's been, yeah, in the States and Canada and, and the UK for about five or six years but only a couple of years in Australia and still, you know, it, these, these things take time but... um. I went to the UK to get trained because you can only get trained in the UK or in the States. And, and um, I, I did my training a couple of years ago and have been working, you know, juggling the acting and, and the intimacy coordinating since, but it's really great. It's kind of like a, a stunt coordinator, but for intimate content. So, you know, if, if there was a, a scene on, on stage of two men having a, you know, a sword fight, you wouldn't give the actors a sword each and go, well, just figure it out on the night. It'll be fine which is often what happens with intimate scenes is they go, cool, and then you guys, you know, you kiss and whatever. And you're like, well, hang on. How, we need, how, who? How long for? You know, so I just help get clarity, consent, lots of boundaries, and um, and then it just makes it far more freeing and easy for the actors to do their jobs because it's still a workplace and it's still a job. You know, it's not this sort of free-for-all. So um, it's been great. I really love it. Great. And it's um it's shifting the culture, um in the industry, which um it just it just needs a bit of shifting. It's it's not about you know harping on about how bad it's been in the past. It's going I think we can do things better. How can we do them better? And and trying to implement that stuff. But um yeah, it's great. I I love it. I still love acting, and I you know I'm doing little bits of writing, and I want to do some directing, and I just want to sort of see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and theatre. I'm I'm thinking. Of, do a play later on in the year and great yeah i'm really lucky i'm really lucky because i i get to do what i love and i know not everyone can say that um, Fantastic. in their lives so, I love yeah. hearing so positive like that that you know gets it gets you out there makes you want to kind of you know continue on follow oh, your passions mate. things like you've that you've got to life's yeah. too short like if you're not happy doing what you do just get can it <laughs> i know it sounds really like but like take a risk you've take got to take a risk, a risk. Have no regrets. And Bevan Lee, you're listening. Out. Take a risk. Always green. Uh -huh. rah, rah, Come on. Always green. Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> Keeps adding oh a few God. more to the end of it. Yeah, That's yeah, another yeah. thing. That yeah. would be so great. Michaela, before I let you go, if people want to keep up to date with you, uh, give a shout out to your socials. Where can they Where can they find you? Oh, sure. On Instagram at Michaela Banas, and it's M I C H A L A B A N A S, which is not the usual spelling of Michaela. Thanks, mum and dad, but that's how mine's spelt. <laughs> and Banis like bananas, but shorter. Um, I'm on um, Twitter, at Michaela Banis there as well. And there's a fan page on um, on Facebook, the Michaela Banis fan page, which I don't run, but I have um, I check in on a lot and I have um, lots of contact with the lovely girl, Burrit, who, um, who runs right. that page. She's Fantastic. in Germany. Oh wow! McLeod's there you fan. go. McLeod's fan in Germany. McLeod's fan. Has she watched Always Greener? Has she she seen Always oh, Greener? Oh, probably. She. I think she's 
she's she's watched a lot of a lot of stuff. Bless her heart. She's on board. We'll We're send like, her this oh, link. We'll, we'll, we'll get it there ready <laughs> oh, to go. She'll, she'll put this on there for sure. <laughs> Good. We might get a listener for once, so that'll be exciting. I look forward to it. <laughs> Michaela, it's it's been an absolute honor chatting with you today. And yes, as I said, I, I'm I'm set. I'm locking this in September. We are going to bring whoever we can back together. We're going to have an always green a 20 year reunion. Channel Seven probably won't do it. No one else will do it. We will do it. We'll be an exclusive. I love that, Ben. Thank you. And a massive, massive thanks to Michaela Bannis there. An absolute delight to have her on the show and chat and learn about that. And absolutely, we are committed now to doing an Always Greener 20-year reunion at some point this year. We do have a couple of other people lined up from Always Greener in the coming weeks to chat to. So stay tuned for that because it's a it's a very very underrated show, as I mentioned in that interview. And for those who have never seen it, Amazon Prime, it is available on there. You can probably also track down an old copy of the DVDs. And I even believe that there were a few kind of rogue episodes hunting around on sites like YouTube and Daily Motion. Not that I condone watching things in that manner, but hey, if you're Googling things and it pops up, you may accidentally watch it. So, And for those who are listening outside of Australia and have no idea what we're talking about, it is definitely a great show that uh, I highly, highly recommend so uh, it's always green to search for it and uh, obviously we definitely thank Michaela for her time on the show and to Michaela's management for also uh, putting us in contact and arranging this interview as I mentioned more always greener interviews to come we've got other interviews great content plenty to keep you entertained here on the Oz Network as always we appreciate your support and thank you very much for tuning in I'm going to end this by saying my name is Ben and we will speak to you next time good night thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.